Good morning, and thank you for thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, I want to thank those of you who are in person. This is uh, it's nice having people in the in the studio. So thank you, uh, thank you for coming, and it's nice knowing that you're there online as well. If you would open your Bibles with me this morning, we are in the third chapter of the New Testament book of Galatians, and we are continuing in a sermon series called "Why It Matters." We're going to be here in Galatians for just a little while, and um, I would pray that you would spend some time in the book of Galatians as we move through this sermon series and, and really get an idea on what it is the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and, and how we can incorporate that into, into our lives. It really does matter. Paul is going to, he's going to make many arguments throughout this book as to why it matters, why the gospel matters. In our pleasure-seeking world, there's people that will say, you know, the, the gospel, it simply doesn't matter anymore. It's old. It's antiquated. It's, it's too exclusive. It's not very inclusive. We can't we can't follow a book that's that old anymore. It doesn't matter. Paul says it matters. The Bible says it matters. God says it matters. And all of these, these points that culture wants to make, that, that the idea of the, the Bible is old, it is antiquated, it, it is exclusive, that it's not inclusive to everybody's thoughts. The Bible would absolutely agree with that. That's not an argument. The Bible and the gospel is very exclusive. There are some points in the gospel that are truth points. They are, this is the way it is. You can't make this up. You can't, you can't, you can't create your own path and expect to get to the same place that God wants to send you, he, that he wants to deliver you through his direction. We don't get to make that up. The gospel wasn't designed to include everybody's individual viewpoint, but rather to provide salvation to everyone. Sometimes what we think or what we feel or what we believe or what we, what we want seems to come to the forefront of the direction in our lives. We could believe whatever we want to if it's not in the Bible, if it's not the, the direction that God has laid out for us. Our beliefs could certainly lead you down the wrong direction. There's one single road to salvation. If there's not, if there's not a single road to salvation, but anyone can get wherever they want to go, however they want to get there, then religion and faith, and it's all really irrelevant. If, if, if truth doesn't matter and anyone can make up their mind to get there however they want to, there's no correct, then 
this road that God has laid out for us is nothing but chaos. But fortunately, God doesn't send us down a path of chaos. Unfortunately, there will be a day, though. There will be a day when when many, and I would say a vast majority of people realize that this idea that our world has brought them saying, be who you want to be. Go down your own road. There'll be a day when we'll realize that that is absolutely wrong, that it's, that it's a fallacy. But by then it might be too late. We have the direction in front of us. See, the Bible tells us that there's an opportunity right now in our life to come to faith, but that opportunity does not last past your last breath. At that point, the opportunity is done. The opportunity has been extinguished. There's no second chances. You don't get to go to the store of eternity and and walk down one aisle and and you look down this aisle and you see a bunch of of angels and you see halos and there's there's soft soft toilet paper up here and little babies playing the harp and whatever angels look like in the grocery store. You don't get to look down and then come over here into this aisle and say, okay, here's a... Whoa, there is lava, and there is fire, and there's a court of demons, and there's somebody serving tuna casserole, and I don't want, don't want anything to do with this aisle, and make your choice at that point. I apologize for those of you who enjoy tuna casserole. But that's, it's too late at that point. You don't get to shop your eternity in eternity. See, the gospel matters. What Paul is talking to the church in Galatia about, it matters. If there are small variations in the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. You can take what Christ said and you add to it, it's no longer what Christ said. You can subtract who Christ is out of this, it's no longer the gospel. You can divide people up. You can can make any changes you want. It is no longer the gospel anymore. We don't get to make it up. There's only one path that leads to Christ. Every other path. Remember this. Every other path leads somewhere else. It's kind of elementary, I know. There is one path that leads to Christ. Every other path leads somewhere else. In our world, if we're on the road, maybe, maybe you're driving around. Who uses GPS? Use GPS quite a bit, yeah? Remember when the, uh, um, the Garmin's came out? Before they were on your phone, right? You had the Garmin, and then before that, it was uh, the, the paper map, right? You'd have been like this. You had that big paper map up, right? But if you're, if you're following this map or your GPS, and, and if, uh, if Siri tells you to turn left, many of you know that there is a difference between make a slight left, turn left, make a sharp left, and turn left and make a U-turn. 
all four of those are going to lead you to a different place, right? They are. So if the Bible says, I want you to turn left, and you say, you know what, I'm going to kind of turn left, but I'm just going to make a slight left. You think you're going to end up in the place that it's taken you? No. No. Or maybe, maybe it's saying, you know what, I want you to turn left and make an entire U-turn. You say, eh, I'm just going to kind of turn. The, I'm going to change lanes to the left and call it good. No. See, we don't get to make up our own rules, our own direction. If God says that you come to salvation by faith alone, and I want you to turn left, if you and I say, well, um, okay, let me add my good works to this, and let me live up to that expectation, and what I did is I just changed the direction that God gave us. I'm not going to end up. I'm not going to end up at the destination that God has in front of me. Last week, Pastor Daniel had uh, continued and started chapter 3 of Galatians for us and had given us some, some background on what was going on in this chapter. As the Apostle Paul has been ministering through the territory of Galatia, modern-day Turkey, about middle of the country, and Paul has been coming through this area. He's been talking as a missionary to many different towns. Paul as an evangelist, would go from town to town. He would stay here. He would tell people about Christ. He would share the gospel with them, and then he would be off to another place. There was a group of people who were coming behind Paul. Pastor Daniel introduced us to the Judaizers last week. These were, these were God-fearing people who understood the gospel, who believed in Jesus, but who also had a very deep understanding and a deep culture in their Jewish roots. They came along after Paul, went to the same people that Paul had already spoken to and taught the gospel to. And he had to Paul had told people in Galatia, he had said, you are saved by faith alone. The Judaizers come behind him and say, you know, if you want to be a good Christian, that's fine, that's great. But in order to be a good Christian, you first have to follow the Jewish rules. You have to now follow the dietary laws. You have to follow the ceremonial laws. You have to follow the Jewish civic laws and the rules. And now you add faith in Christ and you can be a Christian. Paul, in chapter 3, is writing this letter to really two different audiences. One are the, the, the people that he's already talked to, the, the residents of Galatia in these churches. But he's also going to write some arguments to the Judaizers. And he's going to argue with them from a higher perspective. See, Paul has grown up in Jewish faith. He was a, he would say, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisee. He went, to, he went to Torah school. He went on to be a Pharisee. So he knows the depth of Jewish law and culture. So do the Judaizers. You know who doesn't, though? A lot of the, um, a lot of the people in the churches in Galatia, this is kind of new to them. We're going to say they're young in their faith. They're very uh, in, influential. They're able to be influenced very easily. So Paul is going to argue with these Judaizers here in chapter 3 
from a couple of points from their history. Paul had to stop what he felt was fake news in a way. He had to stop what he felt was false teaching. It's more than just he felt it. He knew it. He, he knew that others were coming around and were distorting the gospel. And Paul had to put a stop to this. When we look back into the Old Testament and we start to realize, what is it that Paul is really saying? What's he talking about? Paul uses the term the law a lot here. Pastor Daniel tried to explain to us a little bit last week about what it's really referring to. In our culture, we think about the law. We're thinking about sheriff's department, police department, FBI, stop signs, you know, just all kinds of rules and regulations that we have. To them, whenever we hear the word the law in the New Testament, it's referring to Old Testament rules and regulations for the Jewish people, for the Israelites. That's what it's talking about, is the law, the rules of their religion. There were so many rules, it would make your head spin. So many that if first Paul comes to you and says, hey, you know what, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you the fact that he can save you and you need to put faith in him. And if somebody comes afterwards and says, okay, that's cool, but you need to follow all of these laws. And let me start teaching you these laws. It's pretty in-depth. And what the Jews knew to them was, I am justified by my obedience to the law. Well, that was given to the Israelites. Christ brings a new covenant. He brings a new promise, a new vow to his followers. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. I wonder if you and I in our country, if we recognize our freedoms, but what if, what if your freedom in America was based on how obedient to the laws you are? Okay, so, so let me talk this through for a second. Your freedom is based on your obedience to all of the laws in our land. So federal laws, state laws, county regulations, okay? And let's say... If you break one law, you might as well break them all and you're done for. If you break one single law, your freedom is lost. It is bread and water for you. Solitary confinement the rest of your life. You say, well, I'm good enough. I can do it. I can do that. And then you get up about noon on... Uh, now, you wander out of your house about noon on, on Monday, and you realize there is a ticket out on your car. And you know what you did? You didn't move your car on Sunday night. And what happens, a street sweeper comes by, and you're out on the street. They write you a ticket, put it underneath your windshield wiper, right? You know what happens next? They come knock on your door. They say, hey, um, you left your car out there on the street. You broke a law. You need to come with me handcuffs, back of the cop car, solitary confinement, bread and water, rest of your life. That's it. Because you didn't move your car for the street sweeper, right? You broke one law. How many of you have ever driven 46 miles per hour in a 45 mile an hour zone? Anyone? 
Okay. All right. So we have some speeders in here. Anyone ever uh, ride in the back of a truck? Anyone ever um, ride a motorcycle someday without a uh, helmet? Maybe you did when you were a kid. Has anyone uh, ever been jaywalking? Yeah? Anyone cross the street outside of the crosswalk? That's it. No, bread and water for you. That's it. Right? Uh, um, has anyone been around when they were shooting off fireworks that were... I wish that you can see how many hands are up over, over here, right over this side. So, but what if your freedom was based on your strict obedience to our laws? That'd kind of be hard to do, right? We would be in trouble. But what if the rule was you break one and it's as if you broke them all? All it takes is one, jaywalking once in jail and bread and water. We're not talking like the nice bread from, this isn't like Olive Garden breadsticks. This is like crusty uh, bread and, and water. The Jews and the Judaizers were all about keeping these religious laws. To them, that's how they were justified. That's how they were to, to be, that's where their salvation came from, was by keeping all of these laws. Our covenant is this, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you hear that verse say anything about keeping all of the rules? It didn't, did it? It said, belief in Jesus. See, that's the new, that's the covenant for Christians. In Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10, we're going to study a few verses this morning and see that, that Paul is countering what the Judaizers have been teaching because he wants his audience to understand that it's not the devotion to the law. It's not the devotion to the religious rules. It's not. But rather, it's obedience to God. We're in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. We're going to put this up, up on the screen for those of you at home this morning. Paul writes this, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For Scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you who are taking notes, point number one is this. The price to get into heaven is total perfection. That's the price. Your ticket, the price that is paid for your soul to get into heaven is 100% total perfection. The only way to live with God for eternity is that you have to pay with perfection. You can do it one of two ways. Either you could achieve that on your own, or God has made this way to where someone else can punch your ticket. His son could punch your ticket of perfection. 
this is where Paul is going to argue. He's going to tell the Judaizers and he's going to tell the Galatians that, and people have been trying to punch their own ticket for years and you can't do it. And be thankful that there is a way now. What Paul is saying is that if you are depending on the law, if you are depending on yourself to obey all of the rules to get right with God, you are under a curse because you're not going to be able to do it. You cannot obey all of these laws. No one has ever been able to. As a matter of fact, Paul is going to go back to the book of Deuteronomy. And this is one of the areas where he's actually going to argue with the Judaizers. Because if, if, if we can believe that some of the people that, that Paul is talking to, his audience in Galatia, they're not, not a lot of them are people who are going to understand how important the book of Deuteronomy is. So he's going to argue with the Judaizers, and he comes from Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse number 26. It says this. It says, Cursed is, any, is, cursed is the one who does not confirm all of the words of this law by observing them, and all the people shall say amen. Let me tell you about that and what, that, what this verse is talking about in this chapter in Deuteronomy. We're at the end of the first five books of the Bible. And Moses is about to, he's, he's going to die here soon. But this is one of his, his last speeches to the Israelites. And he's given this big long list again of these rules and again, God says, Cursed is everyone who does not confirm all of the words of this law by observing them. And the last part, it says, All the people who are listening to this speech, they all said, Amen. Like, I'm agreeing with this. Okay, we're on board. We are going to obey all of the rules that you just gave us. Everyone's confirming that. Paul is saying, Look, God told you that you're cursed if you can't keep all of these rules, even a single rule. If it's just the slightest one that breaks, you're cursed. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 11 goes on to say this. Paul says, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Again, Paul is going to go straight to the Old Testament. This time he's going to go to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, and he's going to argue from the Old Testament. He's arguing his points here like a lawyer with evidence. He's going back into the book and saying, hey, let's see what the Bible says. From Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4, it says, Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. That's righteousness. We're starting to see righteousness. Righteousness is being like God. Well, what is God? God is perfect. God is perfection. If there is anyone here who has lived a perfect life and is ready to punch their own ticket, 
You can raise your hand and say, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm good. I can punch that ticket. God says, righteousness, righteousness is by faithfulness. He says, your righteousness is shown by your, your faithfulness to God. Point number two in your notes this morning is this, and this is so important. The biggest lie that people tell themselves is that you could be anything you want to be. I know in our culture we like to say, you know what, just, just believe it. Just dream it. You could reach your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. I don't know. When, when, when I was six, I wanted to be a gorilla. Um, I've, I've tried. It's not going to happen. Sometimes in our world, we can want to be something, but see, you have to remember, our hearts could want it so much, but our hearts are naturally sinful, right? We, we have a wickedness that is, that is part of our being from birth. We are not naturally good. We are naturally sinful. We are naturally born opposed to God in His perfection. Why would we try and rely on ourselves? Why would we ever try and rely on ourselves? So Paul is using right here, specifically for the Judaizers and, and, and the false teachers, he's telling them, he's saying, why are you trying to teach people that they need to obey all of these rules, all of these regulations? Why are you telling them to trust themselves and to do good works? Because the Bible says that if that's what you're trying to do, you are foolish and you are crooked and you're just out of the line of, of God's direction for your life. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to pave your own path. You're trying to write your own rules. How could we write our own rules to eternity when the best thing that we have going for us is a very wicked and sinful heart? The best part of us is born sinful. You hear people say all the time, well, I just believe it in my heart. I, oh, I just knew it. I knew it in my heart. It's kind of a tough place to say. I, 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 I know. If, if we're banking what we know on our own heart, that is born sinful and wicked and selfish and prideful, we're banking on facts that are not God-made facts. They're man-made facts. Paul continues this in Galatians chapter 3. We're in verse number 12. Paul says this, This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which, is, which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. See, that's what the law says. That's what the rules of the Jews said. The rules of the Judaizers said is that by obeying this law, that's how you have life. But see, faith in Christ is different. Paul says this is very different. That it's not the rules. It's faith. He starts making this contrast between living by faith and living by rules. I know that you've probably come across somebody in your life 
Maybe it's somebody you know who never goes to church, doesn't go to church, doesn't want to step foot in the church because they say they can't stand the idea. I can't stand the idea of rules. I can't stand the idea of religion and of doctrine and all of these obstacles to get to the heaven that I've created in my mind. To you know, All of it is just all made up. It's, it's hypocritical. And, and in a way, I can't say that I blame them because there's this idea that even our culture has has put out there that says, oh, well, if, 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 if you go to church, then you're better than everyone else. This is where the holy people live. I don't know about you at, at home, and I can't see you, but I can see about two dozen people in here, and I don't see any halos. There's no halos and there's no wings in here. This is not where the angels go to sing, but this is where wounded souls go to heal. That's what the church is for. It's a hospital for our souls. Oh, sure, we come and we worship and, and we sing and we praise and we thank God. But if anyone here can punch their perfect ticket on their own, then church probably isn't a place that you need to be. Here, come and be here and teach us. See, that's what Christ did for us, is he gives us that opportunity I want to go back to the Old Testament one more time in the book of Leviticus, chapter 18. We, we see this idea of obeying these rules again. This is part of the upbringing. Leviticus 18, verses 1 through 5, read like this. It said, And then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Pay attention to that, of Israel. Okay, He didn't say... Give this to the Christians, the followers of Christ. This is a specific people. It's Israelites, Hebrews, Jews. This is all three interchangeable terms. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. So do not act like the people of Egypt, where you used to live, or like the people of Canaan, where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all of my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. This is the Mosaic covenant. This is the covenant, the vow, the promise that, that God made with Moses. If your people follow me, I'm entering into this vow. It's almost like a, a marriage vow with the people. I am your God. You are my people. You follow my rules. We're going to have good life together. Think the people followed all of God's rules? No. No. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes people didn't even try. The Israelites are God's chosen people. And they were a sinful people. They saw other gods out and about in the neighborhood. Kind of snuck off from time to time. It was pretty rampant. But this was the covenant that God made with Moses and the Israelites. The third point in your notes this morning is this. If you strive for salvation by being a good person, then you are denying the need for God's grace. This idea of, I can do it. I can do this on my own. I'm good. I got this. I can be a good enough person. We're saying, I don't need God's grace. We're saying, I don't need Jesus and his ticket of perfection. 
because I can do this on my own. But what happens is we don't realize how important God's grace is to us. Because the rules, the admission into eternity with Christ, it's still the same. It's still perfection. One wrong move, one sin is too much to be in the presence of God, to spend eternity with Him. You have to have a ticket of perfection. Either you're going to bring it your own, or you can accept the way that God has given us to walk in with a ticket that says perfection on it. It says, I'm coming in with the ticket that Jesus gave me. I said, okay. Come on in. But if you're trying to get there on your own, this is what Paul writes to the Galatians. See, he's going to make this point again. Galatians chapter 3, we're in verse 13. He says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. I'm going to explain this for a moment. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, again, back to one of the first five books of the Bible, in chapter 21, it, it, it says this, and then I'm going to come back and explain this. Deuteronomy 21, verse number 23, it says, The body must not remain hanging from the tree overnight. You must bury the body that same day for anyone who is hung on it who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. In this way, you will prevent the defilement of the land the Lord your God is giving to you as your special possession. Here's the thing, is that there was, there was capital punishment in those days. Okay, There's capital punishment now in, in, in our days. But if anyone was hung on a tree, it would be a curse. That body was not supposed to stay there overnight. And I want you to see something in this scripture. It says, that way you'll prevent the defilement of the land. It's not because of the body. It's because if that, if that body is hanging from that, from that tree, it will defile the land. That's God's land. That is, that's holy ground. See, that body is cursed. And God says, you take that body and you bury it. Don't let it bleed from that tree onto the ground. This is my ground. This is holy ground. I'm giving this to you. So this is something that they would have understood. They would have known what this means. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Who hung on a tree for us? Jesus hung on a tree for us. So the curse, the curse that comes to everyone who is trying to get to heaven by themselves. Paul's already said, you're, you're cursed if you're trying to get there on your own. They said, look what Jesus did. He took that curse upon himself. He's the one that hung on that tree. Galatians 3, verse number 14. Paul wraps up his argument like this. He says, through Jesus Christ... God has blessed the Gentiles the same, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. 
He's telling the people of Galatia, he's saying, you're Gentiles, I get it. You didn't grow up with the, the, the idea of the promises from Abraham like the, like the Jews did. But through Jesus, God is blessing the Gentiles. He's blessing you as well, just like your brothers and sisters, just like the, the Jewish people, the, the curse that Jesus broke for them, he also broke for you. interesting is that most of the Jews didn't even realize it and the writing was right there if they would have read back and seen their own scripture and paid attention they could have seen this is the Messiah this is the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophecies look he hung on a tree he has taken that curse off of me but a lot of people even then said nope I'm going to try and do it myself I'm going to do it myself I know that what I need to bring is perfection, and I'm just going to try and do it myself. Back in the 1500s, a monk by the name of Martin Luther was behind what we refer to now as the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestant Reformation began what was a separation of now the Protestant Christian church from it was the Roman Catholic Church at the time. And Martin Luther said, look, there's so many rules that have been created now, again, that are taking, us, taking your eyes off of Jesus. He said, look, you're trying to live by rules again. This doesn't make any sense. Why, again, church, are you trying to do this? And he broke it down to what we refer to as the five solas. Sola just simply means alone. And Martin Luther reminds us of these. And this is the fourth point in your notes, the final point in your notes this morning is this. You are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone, through Scripture alone, and to the glory of God alone. You do nothing to earn your salvation. You do nothing to earn your salvation. What Martin Luther was reminding the church in the 1500s was that it's not about tithing. It's not about giving. It's not about being better than somebody else. It's not about showing up and, and confessing on a regular basis to, to the priest. It's not about this rule and it's not about that rule. That rule. It is the fact that you are saved by grace alone. You are saved by faith alone. By Christ alone. The authority is in Scripture alone. And it's all for the glory of God. It's not so that we would be recognized. It's not that anyone knows who we are, lest we should boast. But it's all for the glory of God. Paul's telling his audience, and he's telling the false teachers, that there is a ticket of perfection that has already been created with your name on it. You can try and create that ticket of perfection, but I would bet you, I bet almost everyone here 
that you've already failed at perfection. I would almost bet that everyone that you know has already failed at perfection. But see, here's the neat thing, is that there is a ticket that says perfection with the name on it of everyone you know. As a matter of fact, there's a ticket that says perfection on it written for everyone you don't know. But you know that everyone who steps into eternity without that ticket and shows up and says, you know what? I just brought, a, I brought all of my good works. I brought, I bought my book. Look, look, this is what I did when I was a kid. This is, these are the good things that I did. You think your book of good works is going to be enough? It's not. It's not going to cut it. See, God's given us direction. He said, turn left. He didn't say make a slight left, make a sharp left. He said, this is what you do. And he said, you know what? It's actually not that hard. He said, believe and have faith. There's not 613 rules that you need, that you need to be 100% always obedient to. God's word goes on to say, you know what? I know that there's a chance sometime that you are going to jaywalk. I know that there is a chance that someday you're going to have these thoughts about your mother-in-law that aren't too terribly friendly. I get it. But you know what? There's grace. You know what? There's forgiveness. There is mercy. See, the law has no mercy. Perfection is not perfection if there has been a single sin. Anything less than perfection is simply less than perfection. The ticket that Jesus has with your name on it is clean and perfect. And he offers that to you. And he offers that to everyone you know. There's so many people in your life who walk through life with this idea that they will just be good enough. But I'll tell you that good enough isn't good enough. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you this morning that you have provided us a way that you have provided us with a direction and you have provided us with forgiveness and with grace and with mercy. And Lord, I thank you for giving us an opportunity today to realize that maybe it's more of you that we need than it is more of us. That you remind us that as close as we are to you now, that there's still, there's still so much distance between you and I that, that we can continue to grow closer to you every day. And Lord, I thank you that 
you have given us a clear path. Lord, I know that this morning there might be some here who have been trying to get there on their own. And I just pray that you will put your hand upon those here and just let them know and remind them that, that you that you hold our salvation, Amen. that you provide our salvation, that there's nothing that we could do to earn it, that it is grace alone, it is unmerited favor, that you show favor on us even though we are sinners. Lord, this morning I ask for your hand of mercy upon our, our nation and our city and our state as we're still working through a disaster of a, of a virus going around. Lord, I know that you are bigger than this. We know. We know that you saw this coming. And you know what things look like six months from now. Lord, we didn't even think we would still be here. And we are. We don't know what things are going to look like in six months from now, but you do. And the one thing, Lord, that we are so thankful for is that we don't have to know. Because faith is what happens when we don't know. It's okay not to know. All we need to know is that you gave your only begotten son whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you for always being there. Thank you for being faithful. Even when our faith struggles, Lord, let our faith grow as deep in our hearts for you as your faith and your heart is for us. Lord, hear our worship and our praise. We love you and praise you and worship you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.